And here's JT to uh, close out this uh, series on Colossians. Thank you, guys. Oh, I think I deserve more applause than that. I'm no, totally joking. I'm just really insecure, so I can. So, if you're wondering, I am JT. I shave my beard off. I know some people are very disappointed. Some people really appreciate it. Thank you. That's my wife. Um, but contrary to popular belief, I'm not a baby now. A lot of people think I look like a baby. I'm a grown man, so don't call me a baby. Hey, I'm going to pray, and we're going to just jump in. Well, Lord, we, we just thank you for this time together. Thank you for your sweet presence during worship. Just how amazing is it that as we worship you, as we, as we tell you how amazing you are, you come and meet with us. Um, and Lord, I just pray that you continue to meet with us as, as we listen to your word. Amen. So, like I said, I am not a baby. I'm a grown man. Um, I'm, I'm 33 years old. And I would say in, in my 33 years here on earth, I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but it, I, I haven't felt, it feels more tumultuous now than it, than it has in my whole lifetime. It feels like there's, there's so many crises around the world, so many just, just crazy issues that we're dealing with. It seems like there's just, you know, a, a school shooting, you know, every month, and there's an ISIS attack, and there's just all of these things going on that just feel like, this is crazy. Like, this is so, and you know, like I said, I'm 33, so I wasn't around for World War II. I wasn't around for the Vietnam War, the Civil Rights Movement, or anything like that. But in my lifetime, it, is, it feels so volatile right now. And, and, and many of the experts will tell you that our nation is, is, is more divided than it's been in recent history. It is very divided. They said if you look throughout American history, there are always things that pretty much 90% of the population agrees with. But there are very few things that, that everyone agrees with anymore. We are, we are a very divided nation, whether we're talking about issues like the Syrian refugees and how we, how we handle that situation or, or gun control or things like the, the transgender issues and same-sex marriage issues. or It just, it also, there's lots of racial tension in our country that's, that's coming to a surface right now. And there's, there's just lots of arguments about immigration and health care and, you know, just all kinds of things where we are just very, very divided. And it's not like we're divided when we can have friendly conversations about it either. Like, these are, these are heated, just ugly conversations. That, just look at your Facebook feed. If you look at your Facebook feed, when, when, whenever any of these issues come up, it's never like, hey, that's a great point. Let's talk about it. It's like it resorts to name-calling, and it becomes very heated and very polarizing and, and divisive. Have you, have you guys noticed that? And, you know, many of you guys probably experienced that you know, on Thursday. Maybe it's your family tradition to gather around the, the, the Thanksgiving table and, you know, get in a big fight about politics or, you know, it's, it's just there are, there are so many things in this country that are dividing us. 
And just think about the, the way people talk about I mean, it's coming into an election year. So it's going to get even more divided. And think about the way that people talk about the, the political candidates. Think about the way they talk. These are people, and people talk about them like, you know, so-and-so is a moron. Or, or this guy is a liar. Or this guy is a wimp. Or this one, I bet you've heard this one. This guy is the Antichrist. These are things we say about people. It is so divided in our country, so tumultuous. And I know a lot of us have very, very strong opinions. I have strong opinions about some of these issues. I know a lot of us have strong opinions about a lot of these issues. And I know some of us are really confused about some of these issues. I'm very confused about some of them. And unfortunately... I'm not up here to tell you what your opinion should be on any of these issues. I think there, there are people who are far more qualified to do that than I am. And, 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 and honestly, a lot of these are very complex issues that I don't know if there are easy answers to. But you know, the truth for many of us is these issues, we know they're a big deal, but they're not as big of a deal as the issues that are facing us every day. Like issues with our kids, with our health, issues with our finances, issues with school or, or, or relationships that are crumbling. Like these are the real issues that we're dealing with. We don't, we don't have time to think about, you know, problems that are going on across the world. Like we gotta, we gotta figure out how we're gonna put food on the table today. Or how, how we're gonna deal with our with our daughter, or whatever it is. So how then, how then do we, we navigate through this complicated life? This is a complicated life that we have. This is a, a, a very difficult world to live in. How do we do it as a follower of Christ? Because life is hard. There are so many issues that we face, both global issues and, and personal issues. So how do we respond to these issues in a biblical way? We're going to be looking and continuing on uh, looking at our series in Colossians. And, and Colossians was a letter that Paul wrote to a young church. We're going to be in chapter 4. We're going to be wrapping it up today. I mean, looking, starting in verse 2. But uh, if you need a Bible, they're, they're all around the room. Um, but, but Colossians is a letter that, that Paul wrote to this young church in Colossae. And, and this community was very much like the community that we're in now. There were very strong opinions. It was, very, it was a very divided uh, nation and a divided community where, where, remember, we had talked about the Gnostics and we had talked about the Greeks, and we had talked about the Judaizers, and then there was the earlier church. They, were, they did not play well with each other. This was a very volatile situation, and there was lots of persecution, lots of just strong opinions. And this, so, so Paul is writing this, this letter to these people. And remember, the first few chapters of Colossians, Paul is laying out essentially these theological ideas of who Jesus is. So he's saying, this is who Jesus is. This is the truth about who Jesus is and what he has done for you and who he is, the things that he's accomplished, 
This is Jesus. And remember last week, we kind of flipped, and we started talking about our identity. The first few weeks were about Jesus, and then it started to switch. And then if this is true about Jesus, and this is true about what he's done, this is who you are. Remember, we talked about how your identity now is in Christ. That when he died, you died, if you, if you accept his forgiveness, you died with him. And now you are, you are a, a new creation. You, 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 you rose with him. So if our identity is in Christ, this is where we're picking it up in, in chapter 4. And Paul is saying, if your identity is in Christ, this is what you need to do. This is what you're called to do. These are the last things he's saying to this church in Colossae. And in fact, in many of your Bibles, it's going to be, the, you know, the title is going to say Final Instructions or something similar to that. He says, this is it. This is what I want to leave you with. This is what you're called to do, and this is how you're going to live a successful, productive, fruitful life. So let's, let's dive in and read. Paul says in verse 2, he says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open our door, or open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most out of every opportunity, and let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt. Okay, we're going to look at the big picture first, and then we're going to narrow in. So here's the big picture of what Paul is saying. The first half of this little chunk that we read is all about prayer and our relationship with God. And the second half is about the way we, we interact with, with people who are ourselves. So the way we treat others. So Paul is basically saying, what I want to leave you with is, is there are these two relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And we need to take those things really seriously. And actually, Jesus said this as well. A lot of you guys know the story about how this uh, religious lawyer came to Jesus and asked him, you know, there's, there, there are lots of rules and commandments in the Bible. Which one is most important? And Jesus' response was, was, love God and love others. Paraphrase, that's basically what he said. He said, love God and love others. He goes on to say, every other commandment in the entire Bible hinges on this. Everything in the Bible hinges on love God, love others. So that's a great place to start for us when we're facing these these crises, when we're facing these hardships, or these, these hard things to navigate, is that, is, does my decision, does my action, is it loving to God, is it honoring to Him, and is it loving others? It's a great place to start, and, and then we can, you know, get into the details. But Paul begins with our relationship with God, with our conversations with God. So that's where we're going to start, because that's the foundation. That's where everything flows out of our conversation with God our relationship with him. So like I said, the first half of this, this scripture is all about prayer. Paul's talking about prayer, and prayer is really foundational. Prayer is maybe the most, one of the most foundational things about our faith, one of the most foundational things that we do in the Christian faith. 
But it's also one of those things that can be really confusing because there's all different kinds of prayer. And when we have a conversation about prayer, we might be talking about two different kinds of things. You know, there's some kind of prayer like we do at the end of church where, you know, we, we, we lay hands on each other and we pray for each other. And that's a great kind of prayer that's in the Bible. And then there's the kind of prayer that's, a, that's kind of a, a um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of a ritualistic prayer. So it's, you know, it might be a thing where we gather together and all pray the same thing. Or it's, you know, you, know, you say your prayer before you eat. You know, I have a, I have a ritualistic prayer where every night I, I get my, my sweet little daughter Olive and we say our night-night prayers together. And those are good. Those are really important things. But that's not the kind of prayer that this verse is talking about. It's not talking about either of these things. The kind of prayer that this verse is talking about is devoted prayer. So this is the first thing that Paul says, is it needs to be devoted. In verse uh, 2, it says the, f- the phrase, devote yourself to prayer. Basically, this means you need to pray all the time. You need to not stop praying. Literally, the, the, the word devoted means continuously. It means without ceasing. So how does that work? How do we pray without ceasing? Does that mean we need to quit our jobs and, you know, become nuns and monks and, you know, just pray all the time? No, that's not what Paul is saying. Paul's not saying that. Paul is saying that literally throughout the day, from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, we can be in this constant conversation with God. We can be in this, this dialogue with God. I love the story of Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence is a hero of mine. He was, he was a monk, but he joined a monastery, and he wasn't the best or the brightest, so they put him in the kitchen. And they said, you'll be making food for the rest of the monks. And instead of looking at that as something that's like, oh, I'm not good enough, he said, I'm going to be the best cook that I can. I'm going to do it for the glory of God. And there's a book, I think we have a couple copies on the cart, it's called Practicing the Presence of God, where he kind of goes through this story and has lots of amazing insight. But in there he says this. He says, The time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the blessed sacrament. I love that. Brother Lawrence was able to to find a way that in in the midst of the hustle and bustle and the craziness to connect with God underneath all of the craziness. Just as much as if he was, he was sitting, taking communion during like a beautiful worship set or something. And Brother Lawrence and Paul are basically saying, as you're going on with your day-to-day life, we can have a constant conversation with God. We can be in constant communion with Him. You know, while we're in meetings or, or, or working or, or taking care of kids or whatever you're doing, you can be in a constant conversation with God. It's this, this uh, divine multitasking. It's you might be doing one thing on the surface, but underneath you're doing something completely different. You're connecting with the Creator. 
One person, I, I, think, I, think, I think moms maybe get this a little bit more than, than some, some of the rest of us. I know my wife really gets this because she's able to multitask. It's crazy. I'll come home from work and she's, you know, she's making dinner and she's also somehow folding laundry and she's, you know, playing with our daughter, but she's also connecting with me on this like really deep level and we're talking about our day and she's texting with a friend making sure that her she's doing all right and she's doing all these things very well too and I know for me I can maybe do one thing okay but she's able to do a lot of things really well and it's 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 and that's what what Paul is kind of saying he's saying you're able to do this this connection with God as you're doing all these other things and notice I said conversation it's a dialogue. It's a back and forth. It's not just a, making a list to God of things that you need. It's, it's listening to Him. It's posturing yourself to hear from Him, to receive from Him. Saying, what do you want me to do here, Lord? And, and listening. Or it's saying, Lord, I'm feeling you know, stressed. I'm gonna, I want to give you this stress and I want to receive peace from you. And waiting to receive that. And a lot of times when we think about prayer, we think of these really, you know, Shakespearean, eloquent prayers that are beautiful. And there's nothing wrong with those. I love those kind of prayers. But our prayers don't have to be eloquent. They don't. Most of my prayers aren't very eloquent at all. Most of my prayers sound like, oh, Jesus, help me. Like, that's, that's probably my most common prayer. Or, or, you know, or, or you know what? Thanks, God. I, re- I really appreciate you looking out for me. And remember, listening and letting him speak to you. Because he is speaking to you. A lot of times we just don't listen or we're just distracted. Or we're too busy just telling him what we want. Think about this. The same voice that spoke to the great darkness, to the great void, and said, let there be light, and light appeared. The same voice that just said the word and the universe was created. The stars and the sky, the beauty of the universe was created. That same voice is speaking to you right now. That same voice wants to guide you throughout your day. Wants to, wants to help you learn and to grow and to empower you. To give you energy, to give you grace, to give you life. And this is the reason God tells us to, to pray constantly. You know, a lot of times, it's not because God is up there clueless and we're the ones letting him know the things that are going on. It's not like, God, did you know that this is happening? You might want to do something about it. That's not why we pray. We pray because he is the source of life. And he wants to have a connection with us. And he knows we need a connection with him. So he's inviting us into this relationship. I know when I'm grumpy or I'm, I'm stressed or I'm fe- feeling irritable, it's generally 99% of the time because I'm trying to do my life without that connection with God. It's because, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do too much on my own power. And, and, and I can do so much on that power, but eventually I'm going to be a grump. Ask my wife. And I know I need, to, I need to reconnect with them and say, oh yeah, I need you. You're the source. 
need to reestablish that constant dialogue, that conversation. So moving on, the next thing that Paul tells us about our prayer life is we need to be watchful in how we pray. He says in verse 2, he says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful. This is a really cool thing. This is a military term. The word watchful is the, is the Greek word Gregorio, which literally means you are awake and you are alert. You are the watchman. You are on duty. This was, this was the military position of being on watch, being on, you know, do you know, do you know what I mean? So we in our prayer life are supposed to be watchful, be alert. We're on duty. So when we, we were faced with these, these global issues or when we're faced with these personal issues in our life or, you know, some kind of crisis, we say, I see that and I'm going to the Lord with it. I'm going to pray. I'm watchful. I see what's happening. And it's not just watching with our physical eyes, but it's watching with our spiritual eyes because we have an enemy. It's saying, I see what the enemy is up to. Because prayer is a weapon. Prayer is our most powerful weapon that we have. It's a weapon against our enemy. The Bible says resist the devil, pray against the devil, and he will flee. It's our weapon against sin, it's a weapon against hate, it's a weapon against disease, it's a weapon against racism, it's a weapon against violence, it's a weapon against injustice. Prayer is a weapon. We need to see, okay, I see what's happening, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray against it. You know, when you hear about a friend or a coworker who's having, you know, marriage issues or health issues, you know, it's, I, I find with myself, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you, and then I forget. But saying, no, I see that, and I'm praying. I'm praying, being alert. So the next thing we see about this, this devoted prayer life, this constant prayer life, is Paul says we need to be thankful in our prayers. He says this a lot. And this is something that I think is really important for for our culture. So we need to be thankful. He says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. You know, I I know that a lot of you guys are probably like me. And now, you know, most of your prayers are like, Lord, help me with this. Or, Lord, I really need this. Or, man, I blew it this time. Can you get me out of this jam? Or, help me, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, and those are good prayers to pray. There's nothing wrong with those prayers. But if we don't take time to just stop and say, thank you, Lord. Thanks, Lord, for all the things that you've done. You know, thanks for who you are. Thanks for the things that you've done in my life. Thank you for the, the things that you've, you've you, the, for creation. Thank you for what you did on the cross. We need to take time to say thank you to remember the things that he's done. Because being thankful is really good for you. It's not only does he just deserve it, but being thankful is good for you. You know that even secular studies will tell you this. Secular studies, I was looking at this study that said that if you take time out of your day to just be willfully thankful, to just say, okay, I'm going to be thankful, even if you don't really feel it at first, but just say, oh no, I'm going to be thankful. Listen to some of the things. It is a huge list, but I just picked out some of them. It says it gives you a stronger immune system and lower blood pressure. 
higher levels of positive emotions. It says it gives you more joy, optimism, and happiness. You'll act with more generosity and compassion. You'll feel less lonely and isolated. And I, could, I mean, the list goes on and on. All those things sound wonderful. And that's, that's some of the byproducts of just being thankful. You know, I know every night when, when, when my, my, my mommy would say night-night prayers with me when I was a little kid, we, she would always say this thing. She would say, thank you, Lord, for all the wonderful things that you've done. And that just became a thing that we said. And I, you know, probably for years just thought it was a phrase that had no meaning. But eventually it started to, 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 to make sense to me. And it started ringing true, like, oh, yeah, it is so important that when we pray, we thank the Lord for the wonderful things that he's done. You know, instead of just going to the Lord and saying, I need this, I need this, and I need this, and oh, yeah, I, I forgot about this one, I need this too. It's important. The Lord says, come before him and present your, your worries. Present. I mean, we're supposed to ask the Lord for things. He wants us to. We're also supposed to be thankful. You know, saying thank you for the sunrise. Thank you for the sunrise. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you for my home. I know that everything is breaking in my home right now, but thank you for it. Or thank you, thank you for my family. I know that some of my family is nutty, but thank you for them. Thanks for my job. I know it doesn't pay as much as I would like, or I, I don't necessarily love my boss, but thank you that I have a job in this economy. You know, thank you for these things. Even though they're not perfect, thank you for them. I'm grateful for the things that you've done, Lord. We need to be thankful. Paul goes on to say in verse 3, he says, while you're devoting yourself to prayer and you're being watchful and thankful, he says, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Paul is saying we need to be kingdom-minded when we pray. We need to have a kingdom mindset. Here's, here's what I mean by that. Can you notice where Paul says, for which I am in chains? That's not just a figure of speech. He was literally in chains. He was in prison right now. And Paul doesn't say, hey, while you're praying, can you pray that they can somehow get a chisel inside of a cake and get it into the, the prison? No. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, pray that the guards will, will let me out of here. No, what he says is, he says, pray that I may proclaim the message of Christ clearly. Wow. I don't know if that would be what I would be asking for. But that's amazing. He's saying, pray that the kingdom message of Christ expands and spreads. And that's how we should be praying. We need to be praying with a kingdom mindset. He says, we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. I love that. That's what he wants us to pray for. Remember, a few weeks ago, Heather was talking about the Gnostics, 
Remember the Gnostics? They were those group of people that said this connection with God is, 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 is a great mystery, and it's only for the best and the brightest, and it's really hard to achieve. It's this great mystery. And then Paul came along in this letter to Colossians, and I love this. He says, no, that mystery, the mystery is of Christ, and it's been revealed been revealed for everyone. He's saying that Jesus made a way for us to connect to God through the cross for all of us to be reconciled back to the Creator, back to that source of life. That's, that's what, when, when Paul is saying, pray that I proclaim the mystery of Christ, that's what he's talking about. That Jesus died for our sins and we can be reconnected with, with God. That is good news. That's good news. That's the gospel. What's the good news? The gospel's not get your life together. Stop doing this. The gospel's Jesus did something amazing. And you can be a part of it. That's good news. Paul is saying, pray that that message spreads. This is why, this is why we pray for a different church of the week. Because we know we're not the only church on the block. We're, we're, there's other people who are spreading this gospel, this good news message. We want to pray for them. We want to see that message spread. This is why the church sends missionaries to foreign countries. And we have cards out in the back wall there. Where you can grab the cards for the missionaries and pray for them. Because we want the message of Christ revealed to spread across the world. But I, I want to encourage you guys that as followers of Christ to be praying that this message spreads. That this message just... It, what if we committed to praying that, that the message spreads all throughout Sunbury? What if we, we, we said, Lord, let, your, let the gospel message just spread all throughout Sunbury? What if we got really crazy? What if we prayed that the, the members of ISIS would meet Jesus? What if we prayed about that? Because I, I really think all of these global issues, I mean, there's lots of things that we could do. Money can help things and time and conversations and resources. But the main thing that's going to help is for Jesus to, ca to capture people's hearts. And we need to pray for that. I think there's some power that happens when groups of people commit to praying for, for, for the gospel. I think that's when revival starts happening. What if we really started praying for the community of Sunbury? And that's where, our, where our, uh, you know, this, this whole thing shifts from our conversations with God to our conversations with others. Paul has this shift here in this, in this little message where he says, now... We need to talk about how we treat others. Because did you know that God has a, a plan? Do you know that God loves the people of Sunbury so much? He really, really, really loves the people of Sunbury. And do you know that God has a plan to reach the people of Sunbury? And you know what that plan is? It's us. It's, uh oh It's you. We're God's plan. 
God's plan to capture the hearts of the world is the church. And it's doing a really good job, but I really believe it can be doing a better job. We are God's plan to capture the hearts of Sunbury for Jesus. Romans says this. This is Paul's letter to the Romans. And he says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Paul is saying everyone needs Jesus. How can they come to Jesus if no one tells them about Jesus? We need to be the ones sharing with this with people and not just you know, really hoping it happens. We're called to share this, this love with people. Because this is really good news. This message that we have, it's really good news. You know, I know a lot of times the way I think about it is, <clears throat> do you remember when you were in elementary school and you were forced, like they gave you this magazine of junk that you had to sell to people? And like, it, but if you sold enough of the junk, you could get a scooter or something. Like, that's somehow... This sometimes how I feel about, you know, this whole thing. Like, ah, oh, no one wants this, really. But that's it's not the truth. We're not selling junk. We are not selling junk. In fact, we're not selling anything at all. We're giving away love. We're giving away the, 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 the secret of how to connect with the source of life. We want to reveal it to everybody. And this, to me, is so exciting. This, to me, is an adventure. This, to me, is what gets me amped up and pumped up. And, and listen, my goal is not to, 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 to make you feel guilty. Like, I know a lot of times when you, you hear talks or read things about evangelism or spreading the gospel, it's like, guys, you're not doing it. Get out there and do it. And that's not the point. That's not. I know that that never motivates me. It might motivate me for an afternoon, but then the next day I'm not motivated anymore. You know what motivates me? Is that first relationship that we're talking about. When I have that deep, deep connection with my creator, when I realize, oh, you are so good. When I have that, that intimacy with God, I can't help but tell people about it. Do you ever, have you ever talked to someone who's newly married and they can't shut up about their wife? It's like that. It's like when we are deeply in love with the Creator, it's like that's all we want to talk about. So I just want to encourage you, if you don't have like a, a, a burning in your heart to, to go talk to people about this, this message, don't just muster up enough energy to do it. Just start really connecting with Christ because it just overflows out of that. It overflows. And I love how Paul goes on. He says, <clears throat> it's not even in what we say. It's in our actions. It's with our actions. It's what, in, it's what we do. The first thing, before Paul says what we're, you know, how we need to talk, he says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Be wise in the way you act. I have seen so much just amazing fruit, so much good stuff happen with, with, with Christians just loving people. 
and serving people and being kind to people. One of my favorite quotes is from St. Francis, and he, he says this. He says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. I love that. Everything we do is communicating something. Everything we do is communicating something. Do you know that there are members of our church, there are people who are members of our church who started coming to our church because another member started shoveling their driveway in the winter? Do you know, I know someone who came to the Lord because some, uh, you know, this follower of Christ every day would bring them a Diet Coke. And eventually that started happening, a, a conversation hap- happen, started happening from that. We just need to love people. It's little things. We need to treat people with kindness. We need to serve people. The Bible tells us that we need to love our neighbor. We need to love our neighbor. What does that look like for you to love your neighbor? I, I know my neighbors are weird. It's hard. But you know what's even harder? Jesus takes it even further. He says, yeah, I love your neighbor, but you also need to love your enemy. Love your enemy. That's a hard one. It's a really, really hard one. You know, how that plays out is difficult, but, you know, I have, I have, I, I mean, there's one specific person, but there's, there's people in my life that the Lord is like, I have to be like, I don't know what it looks like to love this person. I don't know how that plays out in real life. I know you're calling me to love this person, but I don't know what that looks like. Like, how do we, how do we love someone who's trying to get us fired? How do you love, you know, an ex-spouse who cheated on you and left you? How do you love an, uh, someone who is an abusive father? How, how do you love a, a, a member of ISIS? I don't know. I wish I could tell you. I don't know what that looks like. But we need to be wrestling through that. That needs to be a question we're asking. How do I love my enemy? And going to Jesus with it. Because I know this, I mean, I know from the cross when Jesus was, was being tortured unjustly, unfairly, when he was being crucified for, for crimes he did not commit, he did not say, my rights are being violated. He did not say, oh, you guys are going to get it. Wait till my dad hears about this one. No. What did he say? He said, forgive them. He loved. I, I just, I feel I'm trying to decide if I want to say something or not. I, I just feel so much, we are so obsessed with our rights and if our rights are being violated. And Paul, Paul is in prison. Paul is in chains. He's not saying, my, I'm, I'm going to start a movement where we don't get, but he's just saying this is part for the course. And I'm going to love the people who do this to me. I'm going to move on before I get in trouble. I'm just going to leave that there. So Paul says in verse 5, he says, Make the most out of every opportunity. Make the most out of every opportunity. You know, I was at a, I was at a funeral last week. 
He was a guy that was dearly loved by lots of people. And he died way too soon. And there was lots of people who, who told lots of amazing stories about this guy, about just how, how, how good of a guy he was, how much of a stand-up dude he was, how much he loved his wife, how much he loved Jesus. And it just got me thinking. It got me thinking about this idea of, you know, at, at my funeral, when I die, like, I don't want people to say something like, you know, JT, he worked really hard and he saved up enough money and he bought a lot of guitars. <laughs> I don't want them to say, you know, JT really enjoyed movies. Yeah, he enjoyed movies. Like, those, th- I mean, I do enjoy movies and I would love a lot of guitars, but <laughs> there's nothing wrong with those things the thing that just stuck out to me is I want when I'm at the end of my life to be able to say I made the most of the opportunities. I loved God. I had a passion for God and I loved people. It's making the most of the opportunities. All it means is we need to be intentional in our everyday life. We need to be intentional. We need to look for opportunities to love, to serve, to share the love of Jesus. You know, I, a, a few weeks ago, my wife and I went to this, this smaller conference up in Cleveland, and it was a, a conference called Healing, in the, Healing on the Streets, and it was a training conference to train people in this kind of model of how to, how to pray for people on the streets. Um, and, and so we went through this training, and it's a really cool thing. It's basically you just, you go and you, you pray for people, and you're really kind to people, and you love on people, and you don't argue, but you just, you just love people, and it, there's a lot more to it. But after we went through the training, we, we went out and did it. And we went outside, if you're familiar with Cleveland, we went outside of the West Side Market on a Saturday, which is just insane. It's like just tons and tons and tons of people. And we went out there, and we, we prayed, Lord, we want to make the most of this opportunity. We want to be intentional in spreading your love. So there's about 50 to 100 of us out there, and we went out for two hours, and listen to this. So there's one guy who came up, and you know, we prayed for a lot of people, and there's a lot of people who felt touched from the Lord, and that was great. But we prayed for this one guy who had one leg that was longer than the other, about an inch or so. It was causing lots of back problems, lots of pain. We prayed for him, and right before our eyes, his leg grew out leg grew out. And I've heard that that stuff happens, but I had never seen a leg grow out. It's amazing. Prayed for another young lady <clears throat> who had scoliosis in her back. Really bad scoliosis in her back. Prayed for her. She was completely healed. Scoliosis. Next day, she, she, she came to the church with her mom to verify that, yeah, she's healed and saying, I don't know about all this stuff, but I want to be a part of it. We saw over a dozen people give their life to the Lord in two hours. And not because there's something magic about this, this, this you know, event. It was, it was because we were being intentional. We were making the most of the opportunity that the Lord was giving to us. And like I was saying, God wants to use us to reach our community. And not just through programs or events, 
But God wants to reach the people in your office by using you. The Lord wants you to to reach the people in your school or the people in your family or the people at the gym or the people at the daycare or when you're at line at the grocery store. The Lord wants to use you in just simple ways, shoveling driveways, saying to your waiter or waitress, you know, we're going to pray for our food. Is there anything we can pray for you about? Just little things. And really, most of the time, most of the time, you're not going to see something crazy happen, but you're going to bless people. And I promise you, the more you start doing it, the more cool stuff you're going to see. But sometimes it's not going to go as planned. I know Michael was telling me this story about, you know, like a month or so ago. He went to Panera, and there was, uh, you know, he was doing this. He said, Lord, you know, I want to make the most of all these opportunities. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to go tell this business guy over here that I want to give him my peace. I want to give him my peace. So Michael went over to him and just said, hey man, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian and I just felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that he wants to give you peace today. And the guy like looked at Michael and said, you're hearing voices? So you should get locked up or something. And I know what my reaction would have been, but Michael was kind and said, you know, well, I'll, I'll be praying for you. And he, he just went on with his day. But here's the thing. Here's why we can keep on doing it, because Michael has no idea what happened next. Michael has no idea if, like, right as he walked out the doors, another person walks up to this guy and says, I feel like the Lord wants to give you his peace today. And then another person walks up and says, hey, this might sound weird, but I feel like the Lord wants to give you peace today. And, like, we have no idea what happens. We are not in charge of making fruit. We're in charge of being obedient, and God makes the fruit. Just step out. You just need to be willing to look a little silly. That's, I could tell tons of stories of me looking a little silly, but I need to move on. <laughs> so finally, Paul says we need, it's not just in what we do, but it is in what we say. He says our conversations, they need to be full of grace and seasoned with salt. He says, pray that I speak the message clearly. Our words are important. He saw the value in what we say. He says, let your conversations be full of grace. Let me just ask you this. I'm going to just ask this and move on. If someone looked through your Facebook feed, would they say your conversations are full of grace? Would they? Now, what about the way you talk about Obama? What about the way you talk about Trump or Hillary or Ben Carson or whoever? It's full of grace. That one hits home to me sometimes. What about the way you talk about an ex-spouse or the, the young people or, or the old people or, or Republicans or Democrats or blacks or, or whites or Mexicans or men or women? or Muslims, or homosexuals, or transgender, whatever it is. Is it full of grace? He goes on to say that our speech is to be seasoned with salt. Now the primary use of salt in that culture was a preservative. 
Salt was to, to help to keep things from rotting, to help meat from, from you know, going bad. And our speech needs to be a preservative. It needs to preserve. It needs to bring life. Proverbs 18 says, The tongue has the power of life and of death. This is saying what you say is important. It can either bring life and hope and goodness to people or it can destroy, cut down, and, and kill people. So we need to ask, is what we're saying bringing life or is it bringing death? Is it unifying or is it dividing? And you know, the other function, I love this. This is what we're going to end with. The other function of, of salt is it seasons. It tastes good seasons things. You know, I know me and my wife went on a date and we, we got steak. It was seasoned perfectly. It was seasoned perfectly. And at the end of the meal, I said, oh man, that was some really good salt. No, that's not what you say. You say, that was a good steak. That was a good steak. Salt, the purpose of salt is not to be the star. It's to enhance the flavor of the food. And our speech is the same way. It's supposed to call out what's good in people. It's supposed to enhance who people are. Is your speech calling out what's good or is it focused on what's wrong with our culture? What's wrong with these people? What's wrong with this person? This is what's wrong with you. Or is it calling out what's good in people? Our words are powerful. We need to take these conversations seriously, both our, our conversation with God. We need to be in constant conversation with God. We need to be in, in watchful in this conversation. We need to be thankful. We need to have a kingdom mindset. And we need to, to take seriously these conversations we have with others. Be gracious and, and committed to, to sharing the gospel. So why don't we stand? We're going to end with, with, with a time where we can just be empowered. Because I think this stuff is really fun to talk about. But it's hard to do. It's hard to do. And, I, and, and you know, as I was praying leading up, I, I felt like the Lord was highlighting a few groups to me. The first group is of people who just feel completely disqualified. Just people who feel like, well, that sounds great, JT, but... I can't have that kind of relationship with God. Or I, that sounds really nice, but there is no way I could, I could do this with my neighbors because they know the kind of person I am. Or they know the things that I've done. Or I've, I've just blown it too big. But the Lord wants you to hear this really clearly right now. That you are not disqualified. In fact, you are God's plan A. He wants to use. And the second group of people that, that God highlighted was people who are just dealing with so much clutter in their life. And you know, it could be clutter in your mind where you just feel like, I just, I can't hear the Lord. I'm, there's too much stuff going on. I don't know what he's saying to me. Or it could be just clutter in your life where you just have so many things going on that you don't have time connect with him. You don't have time to do the things that he's calling you to do. And the Lord wants to really 
free you from that clutter today. And, and finally, there's some people who are, are, are already doing it. But the Lord wants to empower you and give, him his holy, give you his Holy Spirit to be able to do it more. So here's what we're going to do. From where we're standing, and I also just want to say, if you are sick, if you are going through something in your life that's really difficult, you can raise your hand and the people around you will lay their hands on you and and pray for you. But we're going to just stand, we're going to worship and invite the Lord and just let him minister to us. And I want to encourage you guys as we do this, have kingdom eyes, be alert. If you see, if you think the Lord is doing something with someone or if the Lord is saying something to you to say to someone else, step out. So let's just, let's open up our hands and receive from the Lord and worship. There's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can Holy Spirit. as a church and as as individuals that we have become distracted from our first love. Lord, we want to be solely devoted to you. Lord, we want want to have that, that deep connection with you. We want you to to speak into our lives. We want to pour out our love to you, Lord. We want that connection with you. Lord, help us to be more focused and watchful in our lives and more thankful in our lives, Lord. Lord, we pray that we can be more kingdom-minded, that we will be focused on the things that you are focused on. Lord, I pray that the clutter of our lives will be just washed away. 
that even though we still have our responsibilities, we still have the things that we're doing, we can have focus on what you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that you encourage those who feel discouraged. You speak your words of qualification over those who feel disqualified. Lord, I pray that we, we are empowered to do the works of the kingdom. And Lord, we pray for the community of Sunbury. We pray that we can be a light to this, this community. We can show love to this community. And Lord, we do just lift up all of these issues going around the world. And we just pray, let your kingdom come. Let hearts be, be turned to you. Let, let those who we think there's no way, let them come before your throne and worship you. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.